Welcome to Greater Truths in Mind, a podcast that seeks to encourage thoughtful faith through open discussion. With Chris, Dana, and Alan. I just want to welcome everybody to the fourth episode of our podcast, Greater Truths in Mind. Um, So for the first three episodes, um, we've been kind of building up to what we're going to talk about in this episode. Uh, The first episode, um, entitled Pray About It, um, we talked about the LDS, or Mormon, if you don't know what LDS means, um, you know, their challenge on discerning whether or not the Book of Mormon is true, and their way is to just pray about it. Pray about it, and if you're sincere, and I guess you're praying in the right way, God will tell you, well, according to them, he'll tell you that it's true. Um, But of course, we found a lot of problems with that kind of method of discerning truth. And we went through that in the second and third episode. Um, It's a bit of a two-parter. So we just talked about, um, you know, I guess more of our way of discerning truth, how we looked at the Book of Mormon, the LDS, Mormon faith, and how we, you know, discerned that it wasn't true. And so in this fourth episode, what we're going to talk about is just what that truth um, really is, you know, how we came to, or the truth that we came to, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Really, the the second and third episodes were focused on what we think are the right ways to discern truth. That's true. And and how we believe that the Bible um, meets all the requirements for proving itself to be true. And then we're just going to talk about the truth that the Bible presents to us, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, we are. (laughs) And the gospel literally means good news. Why is it good news? Because it's (laughs) salvation. (laughs) Okay. It is, as we read today earlier in church, in Romans 1, 16 through 17, we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power by which we are saved. So, um, all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, says Romans 3.23. What does that mean? We can start by talking about Adam and Eve. If you haven't heard the story of Adam and Eve, they were the very first people to exist, and God created them. He created them in a perfect fashion they were made in his image god is perfect and uh, he made us perfectly he made us with the ability to think and reason uh, just like he has that ability and he created um, the world in a perfect form adam and eve lived in the garden of eden everything was perfect and great and then um, adam and eve sinned they partook of the forbidden fruit god gave them one rule said don't partake of this fruit Eve ate it first. She was deceived and ate it and then offered it to Adam, and he also ate it. And God, of course, found out about this. He's God. And um, he cast them out of the garden, and they were cursed from then on. And since then, that's referred to as the fall of man. And since then, there's been sin in the world, and we have all um, sinned. And basically, sin is just disobeying God. Any comments on that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Basically, you know, not putting 
you know, God's will first. So making choices that go against his will. So God doesn't want you to hate somebody. God doesn't want you to slander somebody or get angry at somebody. And we go, you know, we get mad at people. <laughs> um, you know, we can fall. We can accidentally gossip um, and maybe put somebody down. I mean, that's just an example I'm throwing out there. <clears throat> I want to back, back up a little bit. Um, <clears throat> you said man was created in the image of God, and and that we have intellect, we have emotions, but I think the most important part of that is we have free will, and God God has free will. He has the ability to choose, and um, primarily what we're talking about there is the ability to choose between being loving and being selfish, and um, so God wanted beings that he could have a loving relationship with, who could make inanimate things, rocks and trees and whatever like that. He could make animals that are controlled by instinct, um, which are a form of law, cause and effect law that guarantees a certain behavior in certain situations. But if he wanted beings that were free to choose to love him or not choose to love him, um, they had to have free will. And that that's the only valuable kind of love is the, and the, that is the definition of love. It has to be voluntary. So he created human beings in his image, free and uh, able to choose and therefore able to sin. And that was the risk he was willing to take. He wanted not only to have our love, but for us to have the possibility to freely receive his love or to reject it. And and there'd be incredible opportunities for happiness, joy, peace, um, and all, all the pleasures he could give us in this world. But um, only if we were in his image and could sin. And so then he had to give us commands. I mean, the, the rocks and the plants and the animals, he, he controls them, governs them, keeps them doing what they're supposed to do with... Uh, laws of cause and effect, he had to give us a different kind of law, the kind of law where he, he uh, gives us spoken laws, instructions, and that was uh, the law in the garden was to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but then uh, later, out of love, he gave us other laws. But, um, so that, that's, that's how I think of um, being created in God's image. What sin is is sin is not necessarily saying you hate God and want to hurt Him or you want to hurt other people, but that you primarily you don't want to be controlled by God. Mm-hmm. You want you want to love yourself <laughs> supremely, even if it hurts God, even if it hurts other people. Of course, the selfishness is sin. True. The Bible says um, that sins caused by lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. So three ways you can sin. It's kind of like the root of all sin. Yeah. <laughs> like three main causes, I guess. Yeah. And to, to that point, <coughs> uh, in, in the garden, there was the, he, God said you could eat from any of the uh, trees in the garden, but there was one that they could not. So it, the norm was, that God gave us 
so many great pleasures and uh, fulfilling things in life, but um, just in this one situation in the beginning created a situation that could instruct us all so we could understand what elements were at play. And the, the Eve said that she saw that the tree was um, good, pleasing to the eye, good for food, and good to make one wise. And so that's those three things that she said. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. And um, that was an ideal situation where uh, you know, we find ourselves born into a world that's already crazy, and maybe our home life growing up is just a really uh, abusive or somehow tempting to us to live in a bad way. Um, but here was the Garden of Eden where everything was perfect. God, God has given everything wonderful to us, and yet they sin. So we can learn from that that no one has to sin that makes me think so many times people will say and I say this myself sometimes if only I lived in this area or had this thing or whatever if I could just have it everything would be great but Adam and Eve had everything yeah. and yet yeah. they made one of the biggest mistakes of all of humankind <laughs> so I mean it would have happened eventually even if it wasn't them but yeah we all sin today everyone <coughs> eventually sins and sin leads to separation from God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. So when we sin, we kind of earn our own death, our own separation from God um, in a spiritual sense. And we die too, um, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. As we go down the list of what the gospel is. Um, so we are separated from God and there's only one being who can reunite us with God. We are our only mediator, and that is Jesus the Christ. So. You're getting ahead of yourself. Am I? Yeah. Oh, you're getting ahead of me. I think we should slow okay. down. Like, um, why does, why does, uh, why, why is the wages of sin death? Why does sin lead to death? Why do you, why do you say sin separates us from God? Because the Bible says it. <laughs> okay, well, my thoughts are just that um, God is telling us how to be loving and how to, how to have good relationships. And if, we, if we're selfish, we're destroying our relationships because we're preferring ourselves over others and we're willing to hurt people for our own pleasure. Um, so that, that's naturally destructive mm -hmm. to relationships. We're separated from God, meaning our relationship with God is broken. Because if we're sinning, we don't care about God. We don't love him. We don't want to make him happy. We don't want to please him or obey him. We don't want to... He's giving us commands that are telling us how to love other people. If we're not interested in loving other people, then uh, we, we want to hide from God. Because we don't want to hear his commands. And we're ashamed. So that, that's how, how I think of sin causes separation between us and God and us and each other. And then sin, I say sin leads to death because if you're not willing to follow God's commands, if you're just 
life and happiness forever, we're going to end up destroying ourselves. And in the body, we're going to destroy each other. So his commands give us life. And sin leads to death. Yeah, God is, like we mentioned in the story about Adam and Eve, God is perfect. He created us perfectly. And then when we choose to disobey him, we're no longer perfect. We're no longer like him. And so we, how can we be reunited like him? How, how can we be made perfect and whole again? Is there something we can do to make us perfect and whole again? Or is that impossible? And from what we read in scripture, that's, it's impossible for us to reunite ourselves with God. So there's got to be a mediator. In the Old Testament, um, there were sin offerings, sacrifices were made, and um, it was by blood atonement that people received forgiveness, um, but it, it didn't last forever. And wh why did God do that? Why did he give people sacrifices and as part of the law to maintain a relationship with him? Were, were they were they forgiven of their sins when they did these sacrifices? Not really. <laughs> no. Um, well, I believe it's in Hebrews where it says that the blood of bulls and goats doesn't have power against sin, really. But that's what God commanded for them for that time being, kind of looking up to the future sacrifice of yeah. Christ. Um, now. It's, it's always hard for me to think, why would God command the killing of a bunch of animals, especially as an animal lover who's sympathetic towards, like, compassionate, I guess I would say, towards um, animals and their feelings. Um, so I think, you know, it's just a reminder of how serious our sin is. A lot of times we can belittle our sin and say, oh, it's just a little lie, or it's not that bad, everybody else is doing it. But those are still things that needed animal sacrifice to forgive. <laughs> and there was a, uh, <clears throat> um, I was on Reddit, as I usually am, <laughs> looking at religious stuff, and there's always a lot of people who criticize Jewish religions. It comes up every once in a while. Whoa, sacrificing animals. They have like this impression that everybody was super happy about it. Hmm. Like, yeah, I got a bull, let's kill it. <laughs> it was just a great fun time for them. Um, it was more of, it wasn't, it was a somber time to remind them, like I said, the wages of their sin. So they were actually, they were visibly seeing something there right with their own eyes, the actual um, wages of their sin right there. It wasn't just some kind of um, concept that they weren't really familiar with. You know, as we are today with Jesus' sacrifice, you can kind of see the wages there. Um, you know, that's what they had back then, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and there's there's examples like I'm thinking specifically of when David had, had committed a sin with Bathsheba and sent her husband to the front lines and he was killed, and then the prophet um, came to David and um, related his David's sin and kind of a, a story about another man who um, he said, well, there's this man who had a lamb and this lamb was his like he had no kids and. He just loved this lamb so much, and then this guy's neighbor stole the lamb away from him and killed it. 
and the, the guy was heartbroken because his lamb was gone. Well, they did love animals back then. You know, it was relatable. And David was very angry <laughs> that this would happen. And he found out, oh, that's actually my sin, that I stole this lamb from this man and kept it for myself and realized how wrong he was. But that's just one example of they they were compassionate towards animals. This wasn't just bloodlust. <laughs> yeah, that that was the point. The point was, I mean, the word sacrifice means you're you're giving something up, mm-hmm. yeah, and for a greater purpose. So the great the the greater purpose was that they uh, that human life had more value and has today more value um, than animal life, and so God. In order to communicate how much value our lives have to him, how much his a relationship with us means to him, and that we change our lives and not not be destructive in the way we live towards each other, he uh, he imposed animal sacrifice or the, this thing that these beautiful animals that we perceive their value intuitively. Um, he instituted this system where. We had to s- sacrifice the animals, or they did, the Jews did, uh, so that it would have such a strong influence on their mind that it would uh, try to keep them from sinning. So they they actually had to go to the priest with the animal. It had to be one of their own, or they had to pay for it. It had to be an unblemished animal, so one of the best. That would symbolize something, too. Um, so this is no trivial thing. You know, a family might just have a few animals and this one yeah. special one, they take that and they take it to the priest and they put their hand on the sheep's head or or the goat's or the bull's head and then uh, the priest would slit the animal's throat killing it and while they're, while that was happening, while their hand was on the animal's head they would confess their sins and if they didn't confess their sins or if they didn't do it from their heart their sins weren't forgiven and also, if they didn't sacrifice the animal, the sins weren't forgiven. So God had devised this system to instruct people to turn from sin, to have an uh, um, influence on their conscience to stop sinning. But like you were saying, Dana, it says in Hebrews, it wasn't sufficient to keep them from sinning entirely. And so sacrifices had to be offered. They had to do it. So, I mean, that's sets up the idea of what Jesus, why Jesus would have to die. Is, is God you know, lusting for blood? Someone has to pay. God can't, isn't willing to forgive us. So why does he just want someone to die? Yeah. Yeah, he did so much for our benefit so that we could learn a lesson. It's not like God needs to learn any lessons, but we do. We need to learn things. So just throughout the Bible, there's all sorts of things that, He's done for our sake. Um, but part of good news is that Jesus came. And so today we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore because that would be really hard for me. <laughs> uh, especially because you have to go to Mount Moriah. <laughs> you have to make like yearly trips to Jerusalem. Well, it would be impossible. But aside from that, <laughs> aside from that, emotionally that's yeah very disturbing um so thankfully jesus came and 
um, sacrificed himself for us. So we, here we have sin leading to separation from God. There needs to be some sort of an atonement. And here we have Jesus coming into the picture. Um, and Jesus is the only way for us to be saved from our sins and reunited with God. What does that mean? Well, I, I think it starts with what the problem was with our relationship with God. Like you're saying, God didn't have anything he needed to learn. God wasn't harboring resentment against us, but we, if, if our heart focused on ourselves, if we're selfish and just indulge in our own desires, we don't care who we hurt, then we need changing. That we need, that's how the relationship with God's going to be repaired, and, and our lives will be healed our relationships and our emotions and hurts um, start with our hearts. And Jesus is the only imaginable way. God in his wisdom sent his son Jesus to die for us because that's the only possible way to turn our hearts towards him that on the level that we need to have happen for us to Turn from our sins and for God to be able to justly forgive our sins. Because he, he had said in the law, and, and people intuit it too, that um, we deserve to be punished if we sin. And that's because God is the governor of the world, governor of the universe, has to have consequences for sin. Otherwise, he's, he's not um, keeping his obligation as creator to uh, provide a deterrence. He has to say, if you sin, there's a punishment. If you obey, there's a reward. Out of love, he does it. So then if we sin and um, he wants to forgive us, he doesn't want to punish us, he wants to restore the relationship and put aside the punishment, how can he do that justly without encouraging sin? And, oh, you know, if you, if you repented, okay, then forget, forget about the punishment. Everyone mm -hmm. would just say, okay, yeah. <laughs> God's easy. He'll, he'll just uh, forget about the punishment, go ahead and sin, and later say, I repent, God. <laughs> but with Jesus dying for us, then we look at Jesus and his willingness to suffer this uh, unthinkable, torturous death on the cross. And uh, if we focus on that and the love, love God for us and love of Jesus for us, then we, we put our trust in that love. That's enough for God to sustain us for all eternity, keeping us in a relationship with him because we're in love with him. Yeah, I like that explanation, especially in regards to um, thinking about a conversation I had with a Muslim. And his belief was that if you just ask for forgiveness, then God will just be like, okay. So he was like, punishment? What? <laughs> like, he, you know, because they don't believe Jesus. Um, you know, that he died um, for our sins. So, yeah, he, it was all just, oh, just ask for forgiveness, and then you might get forgiven. He wasn't really sure if he was forgiven. Oh, really? So, which is a big conversation on that, but that's what I was thinking mm. about. Well, I think there's a lot of people who say, oh, there's not just one way yeah. to God. There's a bunch of different paths, and they all lead to the same destination. So Buddhism, Islam, 
whatever. Yeah, or that I'm a good person. So whatever I did that was bad is going to just kind of be swept aside because I feel like the majority of my life I did I did pretty good. <laughs> right. Which, of course, gets you into trouble because you can always find somebody who does better than you, and then where do you... There's, there's no logical standard there, so... <laughs> well, regardless, like Alan sa- said, yeah. that, that kind of thinking does away with the sacrifice. Why did Jesus need to exactly. die then? If it's based on our standards of goodness, but it's not. It's based on God's standards of goodness, and we all fail at that. There's no one who is good except for God, and so we need... We, we need that um, mediator to, to bring us back to God because there's nothing we can do. It doesn't matter how good we think we are, we still have sinned and fallen short of his perfection. And I think there's two parts of it. There's, not, there, there's the part that God can't justly forgive us mm. if he didn't sacrifice his son because uh, giving us Jesus puts a stronger influence over our minds stop sinning than the law ever did. And the, the, the promise of sanctions of the law, the consequences, the soul that sins shall die, um, that Jesus' love for us is a stronger influence than even that influence. So I think that was part of it. He had to provide that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other thing is I wouldn't repent uh, if I've already <laughs> chosen to love myself supremely, which I had in every possible way. I wanted to do what I cared about, even when I was good. Yeah. It, it was so I could feel good about myself because <laughs> then I could boast to people that I'm good, I'm better than other people that I'm judging. That they're, they're the bad people. Yeah. But, um, you know, at some point I figured out that uh, the relationships I was destroying in my life, uh, that... I was really the bad guy that I'd been judging in everyone else. So uh, I needed to change, and I wouldn't have changed if I didn't fall in love with Jesus. And so I, I think that's the other part. Is uh, He had to be just in forgiving the past sins by putting a stronger influence over us, and he had to be the justifier, make the one making us righteous or just ourselves, he had to be the justifier of the one who put their faith in Jesus. And so faith is the way you will sin. Um, it's the right relationship to have with God. Adam and Eve in the garden, had they trusted, that's what the word faith means. There's so many different definitions of that. Yeah. The way the Bible uses it is to put your trust in something that you know to be true. So if Adam and Eve had trusted in the love of God for they have eaten from the tree he said not to eat from, and mm. that the moment you eat of it, you shall die. <laughs> yeah. So trust, trust would have made their relationship with God right. Um, faith. With the law given to the Jews, it, it was the, the idea wasn't just keep the law and you'll be saved, but trust in the lawgiver, and you'll have a loving relationship with him. And yeah, you'll, you'll keep the law. Now, now that we've seen the greatest expression possible of love from God to us in Jesus, and G- Jesus said there's no greater love uh, that anyone can have than that someone lay down their life for their friends. He did that for us. So now if we put our trust in that love, we will walk.
walk in faith. We walk in it by when we speak his words. Yeah, that reminds me. There's a verse in First John where it says, we love because God first loved us. And so it goes along with what you're saying is because God loved us and laid down his life for us, we in turn feel a change in our hearts and we, we want to follow him and thank him for that and live our lives for that purpose because he did that first. That changes us. That kind of love changes us. So we've kind of talked about why Jesus is the only way. There's not a bunch of ways. Jesus is the only way. Um, why is Jesus so important? Who is Jesus? Why is he so important? We, we've kind of touched on this, but let's delve into it a little bit more. <laughs> well, in the Judeo-Christian, I guess, we don't believe uh, he's God. <laughs> Yeah, we, we are Trinitarians here yeah. talking to you today. Not everyone believes that Jesus is God. Um, they can think that he's an angel or just a good prophet or literally a physical born son of God. Um, lots of different views on who Jesus is. Uh, some people don't even believe he existed, but, um, but we believe that Jesus is God. And we believe this is a mainstream belief of all of Christianity. If you're mainstream Christian, you believe in the Trinity. Um, no, no, who else believed that Jesus was God? Who? Jesus. <laughs> Mind blown. He, yeah, was the he, Lord liar lunatic. <laughs> right. Well, and yeah, that's a C.S. Lewis uh, yeah. way of putting the problem is, he didn't give you another option. Yeah. He's either God in flesh, <laughs> son of God, or he's a liar, or he's just crazy. Right. And he said it so many times, so clearly. Yeah. Uh, you know, read read the Gospels, and uh, you don't have to listen to what other people say. So many people don't want to hear the Gospels, so they invent reasons why. Uh, they don't have to accept it or say, Jesus didn't really say that. Well, read it for yourself. He yeah. said he was God, no question about it. Mm -hmm. And that, that's an essential part. Like we were talking about, who's going to restore our relationship with God? The, the only God in the whole universe. Um, the one true God. It has to be, it has to come from him. It can't be, you know, some friend of mine will sacrifice his life for me. That's not going to put my give me faith in God. Yeah, especially when you read that this is God's plan from the beginning was to send Jesus as our sacrifice. Um, I have a hard time believing that God is good if he sends somebody else and makes someone else be the sacrifice. Like, you have to. If it's not you, then I guess everyone's just screwed. Uh, that's the conversation we have with LDS missionaries and... Jehovah's Witnesses... Yeah, it was, right. <clears throat> you have a God who talks about, gives a standard of love, and then he himself fails to do it. Jesus says, there's no greater love than this, and if he's not God, then he's doing it, but God himself has yet to show some great example of love. He's just, I'd rather serve Jesus then, that my allegiance is with Christ and not with whatever else is up there. Yes, the denominations that teach that um, Jesus is not I don't know if I'd call them denominations. I'd say heretics, honestly, that teach that Jesus is Sex. not <laughs> God. Um, I forgot what I was going to say because you said sects. <laughs> <laughs> I was obsessing on that too. Like, 
<laughs> well, I hope that didn't sound like something else. S E C T. Okay. So anyway, they. Man, my, well, my brain just. Like Jehovah's Witnesses, they yeah. they believe that Jesus was the Michael brother the of. Uh, okay, Michael the yeah. Archangel. Nope, right. not really brothers. Okay, <laughs> that's LDS. But that's right. I'm mixing up two yeah. things. He was Michael the Archangel in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Therefore, God's asking this angel to die for our sins. Yes. What kind of God is that? You go do it. Yeah, they, see, this is what I was going to say. Sorry. They don't worship Jesus. They think that Jesus is not to be worshipped, yeah. that only God the Father is supposed to be worshipped. And I think, well, goodness, I would rather worship Jesus for what he did than God for what he didn't do if they're right. Wow. Yeah. And plus, Jesus, people worship Jesus. Yeah, he accepted worship. He didn't tell yeah. them, whoa, whoa, stop it. Yeah. And and the, Jesus had the idea, as all Jews did, uh, that you should not worship false gods. You should worship, like in the Ten Commandments, yeah. you worship only the one true God. So Yeah, it's important for us to know who God is. God wants us to know who he is. And he's given us, His he's preserved for us all of these writings that we know today as the Bible so that we can know who he is. Um, and there's definitely some areas of scripture that talk about Jesus being God. Um, Alan mentioned the Gospels, which would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So read through those, and that's kind of uh, Jesus's direct words, kind of the um, quotes from him. And then the rest of the New Testament are like letters from apostles to churches and people, things like that. Um, so read those and it's definitely throughout, throughout those, is those wordings. One of, one of the, my favorite verses about how Jesus is God is written by the apostle Paul in Philippians chapter two, starting in verse five, where we're being told, um, Paul's writing to his audience saying that they need to be humble just as Christ was humble. Cause although he existed in the form of God, so he was God, he existed in the form of God. He did not count equality with God a thing to be held on to, um, but he emptied himself of his godly attributes and took on the form of man. So he emptied himself he, of certain godly attributes like, well, God the Father is spirit. He's not a body. Um, he can be everywhere and know everything uh, that's going on. And Jesus, on the other hand, was it confined in a body of flesh. So he couldn't be everywhere. And there were things that um, he couldn't know. Uh, the father didn't allow him to know certain things. And so um, Jesus definitely gave up certain certain aspects of godliness. Um, Having all power to stop his enemies. Yeah. 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 Jesus was mocked and ridiculed and endured all sorts of things that, you know, God in heaven doesn't have to endure uh, temptation by the devil. God in heaven, Father God, doesn't have a body. He's not really tempted. But Jesus in a body could be tempted by physical things. So there's gotcha. a Man. <laughs> be tempted by so much. One of, his, one of his best friends betrayed him with a kiss, yeah. turned him over to soldiers. Um, they spit on him. They beat him, they whipped him, um, shredding up his body, and 
they nailed him to a cross and they slowly crucified him. And uh, then they um, put a spear in his side and blood and water ran out. Uh, so he was completely dead. And the thing was, all this that he went through, this pain, suffering, shame, ridicule, um, he predicted from the beginning that this was the death he would die, and he said he willingly was going to do that, that that was his plan for coming to earth to express his and the Father's love to us. And that is the greatest example we can think of of humility, because here you have the greatest being in the universe, which is God himself, coming down into the form of man, and not just any man. Not He didn't come as like an earthly king. He came as a baby to some poor people, <laughs> you yeah. know? It was the lowliest birth in, in a manger, in a barn. That's how he chose to come to earth. If you've ever been in a barn, you know how unpleasant it can be. <laughs> <laughs> and then to be born there, yeah, it's pretty gross. It's a pretty gross thought, but that's that is the ultimate example of humility, and that's what we're supposed to do. Now, if Jesus wasn't God, how would that be an example of humility? <laughs> There's really mm -hmm. no humility. It's somebody, right. you know, basically just following orders, possibly blindly. And then you have a God who just is so hands-off. What's to respect about it? Um, like with Jesus coming down like that, I think, you know, we all love it when celebrities do things that we think are kind of more down to earth <laughs> or you know the world loves it um if a celebrity you know goes and visits somebody in the hospital or something we're like oh that's so great and you just think about how many times greater that is that you know the eternal all-knowing god came down and uh you know visited us who were sick <laughs> yeah yeah but, um but the reason we're um, concerned about what, whether Jesus was God or not, these different doctrinal things, is because it, it's an answer to the question, the problem of sin. Yes. And um, that's why it's good news. It solves the problem. It makes us uh, happy to hear the news that God loves us so much. Um, there are a lot of people that are, I don't know if they're Christians or not, but in churches and speaking in the name of Christianity, probably some young Christians that don't know better who have are dogmatic about uh, different doctrines they believe in. You have to believe this. And, and they get pretty detailed. Sometimes it's these things that Jesus was God, and um, sometimes it's trivial things that just sound ridiculous. But um, we want to emphasize that uh, we're not just repeating what a church told us to believe. This yeah. is our understanding of uh, why of God's plan to redeem our selfish hearts and change us and make us feel loved. So to to solve the problem of our destroyed lives, and and that's why it's good news. That's why we rejoice and we're happy to teach these doctrines. Yeah, it's so much more awesome to me that Jesus is God. I just think that that's really great <laughs> yep. that our God came down and did that for us and it led to his death. Our God died for us. And why would he do that? Yeah. Well, it's not even a, a death like, you know, basic 
whatever death. That's kind of a wrong way to put that, but <laughs> I mean, he died on a cross. And if you go back in time, he, you know, a cross wasn't just a basic execution method. It was saved for kind of the worst of the worst in some respects. So, um, you know, certain crimes you could get beheaded. That's quick. Um, and then for a lot of heinous crimes, you would get crucified. It's a slow death. It's not, you know, there's nothing quick about it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And then what Alan mentioned, you know, with the beatings and everything else, it's it, it, it's intense. <laughs> it, it was basically being tortured to death. Yeah. yeah. I think of all the different execution methods, I think this is what you're saying is throughout history and all cultures, this uh, is, if not the worst, among the very worst. And, and I think that God arranged this in his providence that Jesus came to this place where the Romans were in charge at this time when the Romans were practicing this extreme torture to death as a punishment. Yeah. I mean, everything, when you read the Bible and understand all the things that had to come together to make this thing happen, that all of history was leading up to it at that point, and since that point, all of history is looking back towards it. This is clearly orchestrated by God. Yeah. And, and for our maximum benefit, Watch uh, Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion, and uh, if you can get through it, <laughs> it's, uh, y you end up seeing, there's no way to describe it, but torture. Jesus chose that for you. He chose, not for you to go through it, <laughs> he chose to go through that for your benefit, and that's why. And to know that the God of the universe, who created all of this, that we... we uh, trying to figure out how it works, that he loved us and loves us that much. That changes you from the inside out. And that you probably heard the verse, John 3.16. I think it's probably the most popular verse of all time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should have eternal life. And that's kind of the most simplified way you can give the gospel you know if you had one verse to give someone for the gospel i guess that would be it that's pretty self-explanatory god loved us so much that he did this for us and that that is definitely the greatest example of humility and the greatest example of love and our god did that for us nobody else did that for us it was our god yeah and it's because he loved us i think you know there's some different um whatever you want to call it denominations I was speaking with an LDS missionary once, and we kind of got hung up on this issue where we were talking about whether or not God needed us. But God didn't have to love us. He could have just made us for whatever reason, <laughs> just to watch us from afar. But it's because he loved us, he, it's, you know, it's part of who he is. It's, that's the choice that he made. But God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to um, continue being God or to progress or anything like that. And also... If the Trinity that the Bible describes is true, then yeah. God coexisted for all eternity past yeah. with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all mutually loving each other. Yeah. So they were they were complete in love, and they didn't have a compulsion to create other beings so that they can receive love from them. They had love, and they wanted to share that with others out of love. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful story. The Bible is is, is not a set of doctrines, but it's a it tells the story of life. 
on this beautiful story. If you don't feel like your life is a beautiful story, then <laughs> there's your starting point. Uh, mm. Let that be the reason you look into what the good news is, the gospel. Yeah, bringing that back to what sin does in ourselves, it not only separates us from God, but it separates us from the relationships that we have with the people in our lives, our, our parents, our spouses, our kids, our neighbors, just everyone. We can destroy relationships with all these different sins, gossip and lies and sexual immorality. You know, all sorts of things just destroy our relationships and... Um, they bring a lot of guilt on us too. So maybe someone listening has a lot of guilt in their lives and doesn't know how to change. And Jesus would be your starting point. Just believe in him and make a commitment to follow him. And then he'll improve your life. Just following him and trusting in him will definitely improve your life. Um, which brings us to what do we do to be saved? <laughs> I was having a conversation once on Facebook some years ago with a family member, and they were talking about, um, they were really trying to use a relative, I don't know, it seemed kind of like emotional manipulation in a sense, but like, oh, well, they're not saved because they didn't go to church. Hmm. And so I used a, um, an analogy I'd gotten from a friend that was, you know, you're in a house that's on fire, and there's one window, and you're like, just go out that window, and they're like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. There's only one way to get out. <laughs> um, what was the analogy? Shoot. <laughs> Something to do with going to church or yeah. one way to be saved? <clears throat> so, but the, their also point was, you know, is this God, and you got to follow rules and be saved and all this stuff. You have this infinite God who's presenting you with this, eternity of paradise and the only thing he asks of you is just to trust him mm -hmm. that's it there's no you know hey do this make sure you don't do that do this make sure you go here at 7 p.m or you know 10 in the morning make sure you follow the rules and give this much no it's just just trust me faith yeah so, so the message we, we have is not that you need to go to church or uh, you know find find the right church and submit to a priest or a reverend or pastor um, or uh, that you st have to start doing certain good works but that you um, receive Jesus receive him the way he wanted you to receive him that that message of love that he has for us that's that's what we have to receive to be saved and we have to be persuaded of his love for us and then respond to that love pray pray just directly to God in your own words and tell him you believe him and you want him to be in your life and have a relationship with him you, and you want to uh, follow him you want to be his uh, his disciple the rest of your, your life just asking for guidance to what you know how to also how to kind of move on from there too I guess and, and read the Bible to, yeah. get, to get guidance yeah. and, and God will come into your life and he'll guide you he'll, he'll express his love to you in your heart and in your mind 
and he will start to uh, transform you and he'll help you understand what to do next. But when you read the Bible, he'll help you understand what it means. And then also seek out other Christians because they, they're his children too. You, you'll become God's child and uh, a Christian is God's child and seek out other Christians. They're your brothers and sisters. Yeah, I know it can be kind of overwhelming at first, especially if you don't know anything. If you've never, if you're raised maybe in an atheist family or somewhere that never talked about Jesus and you don't know anything, but you want to follow him, um, a, a, not only is God's word in the Bible and you can read that, but also it really helps to, to find a group of Christians that you can learn from and who can help guide you. And, and the reason God created the church was to uplift us and strengthen us and so we can have uh, good examples in our lives not not so we could submit to denominational rules or things like that it's it's not about that it's about just following God and helping other people too it's it's a lot easier to get stuff done when you're with a group of like-minded people yeah so you, you can go to a church building if you want to seek out other Christians, but you don't have to. A church, the church that Jesus talked about is in our hearts, and we are, we are the church. As human beings, we form a kind of building uh, in which God lives, and that's, that's God's definition of a church. People build these buildings where we meet, and they call that building the church, but it's not... But, but sometimes you find Christians in churches. <laughs> church building. Uh, yeah, in church buildings. So so you can go to a church and, and try to find people who are really following Jesus in their hearts. And uh, then you can you know meet with them and be friends with them and encourage them and let them encourage you and teach you. Um, or just find someone over the Internet or any friend that you're, you know of who's a Christian that uh, whether they're in a church or not, call them up and uh, tell them you want to talk. Yeah. And depending on your background, you know, church, the real meaning of it just means the called out, a Greek word, ecclesia. So, you know, a, a building doesn't save you, a system or a denomination doesn't save you. Just, just look to the Bible and then use that as your guide to move forward and another like-minded Christian. I kind of wanted to delve into grace a little bit more. <laughs> I don't know how to transition to that now. Well, how? Well, okay. So the building doesn't save you. <laughs> <laughs> but what does? No. Well, I think it's important to note that there are some groups of Christians who will emphasize works needing to be done um, as opposed to God's grace saving us through our faith. Um, <clears throat> so you want to be kind of careful about those churches. I don't want to harp on denominations in general. I don't want to make it sound like that's what I'm saying. Uh, most churches are really great. Just find the one Yeah, it's going like. to be, it's kind of rare, I think. But, but just explain what you mean. What, what is being saved by grace as yeah. opposed to being saved by works? So uh, Ephesians 2.9, for example, is probably the most popular verse talking about grace. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, 
um, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So if you're working, then you kind of are earning your salvation. It's kind of like you're paying for your salvation or you're, you're expecting payment for your good works, a payment of salvation. So a lot of times people will, will make up their own rules um, for what you need to do to be saved, and you have to follow those specific rules for that specific denomination, and if you don't, then you're not saved. Well, don't believe that. That's not true. Um, they're just burdening you with commandments that God didn't give you. God said you are saved by grace through your faith in him, your trust in him. That's how you're saved. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. I think if two of people are kind of just delving into it, and l starting with the Bible as a foundation, uh, a lot of times that's going to start to stick out in terms of like, oh, this doesn't seem very right. But <laughs> what, what do you mean? What, what'll stay out? Um, you know, if you're going somewhere that isn't focused on grace, that is trying to feed you different rules. Because well, so, it's kind of confusing you. People can be like, well, which denomination do I go to? Well, look at what the Bible says. <laughs> Basically, if you read the Gospels, you kind of give a really good starting foundation as to what to look for when you're looking around. Yeah. And and you don't have to go to a church. It's just one place to find Christians. We, yeah. We are the church. And... Uh, uh, don't don't feel obligated to uh, have somebody tell you you're okay because you're attending their church or you because you are under a pastor at a certain church. Don't don't put your trust in people. Put your trust in God and learn from Him. And not only are, does this apply to other people telling you what to do, but sometimes we can make our own rules for ourselves. Like. I need to read the Bible every single day, and if I don't, then I'm not, I'm no longer in a relationship with God or something. Right. You know, I've, I've been there too. You make up your own rules for yourself, but that's not what this is about. That's great if you want to read the Bible every day. That's a great goal to shoot for, but that's not what's going to save you. And I, I think the reason um, works is an error uh, that people fall into is because um, when people aren't, are no longer willing to love God from their heart and put their trust in God, then they still want to feel righteous. Yeah. So they start looking for outward righteous acts that they can do so that they will appear to others as righteous and they can think of themselves as righteous. But if you just love God from your heart and keep Jesus' words, um, then you're in a loving relationship. The, kind, the only kind of relationship God ever asked us to have with him is faith, to trust in his love for him and let that be our motivation and our guidance for everything. So, um, And to keep his words out of faith, out of trust. But um, you, you said some people do works to, in a sense, buy God's uh, salvation to make themselves feel like they're going to go to heaven because they've done certain things. Some people literally try to buy it with money. They, <laughs> um, they give in the offering consistently. Yeah. Or um, my, uh, my parents, actually, uh, they were Catholic. I was brought up initially Catholic, and they quit going to church, but they would still, still go on Christmas and Easter, and they'd put a check in the offering. I thought, what a strange thing. You don't even go to this church. <laughs> And then I got them to come to the church when I became saved at 16 at a Baptist church. I got them to come. And uh, they, 
They had no interest in that church. They put a check in the offering. <laughs> Why are they doing oh, really? that? Yeah, it was strange. But, you know, people do that in uh, a lot of churches. Their faith dies and their heart, in their heart they've gone away from God. And they aren't willing to actually repent and, and trust in God's love again and start obeying him. But um, they want to do those things that make them feel good about themselves. Sometimes yeah. that's a check in the offering. Consistent church attendance. Um, you hear Christians start to talk in a religious language. Um, you know, talk about blessings and trusting in God and, uh, oh, God meant it to be. And things that make you sound like you're righteous or yeah, praying and, you know, doing outward um, righteous acts, praying in public or um, letting people see you giving to the poor. Yeah. All these things that Jesus said hypocrites do. Yeah. You yeah. do or those even, things but privately so no one no one can praise you but God. Yeah. Or even, you know, having a kind of heartless knowledge, you know. Oh, I know all this about the Bible. I, I can read Greek, I can read Hebrew, I can read Aramaic. Oh yeah. Well that's what first Corinthians thirteen is about is that you can have all of these outward things, but if you don't have love, then it profits you nothing. It's worthless. Love is what matters, and like we said earlier, if you really trust God and believe in what he did for you, then that's going to make you want to change. Your heart's going to change, and you are going to love, and you're gonna, your actions are going to show your love. A lot of people, I think, are scared of grace because they think, oh, well, then I guess I can just say I believe and then go out and do whatever. I hear that a lot with certain uh, groups of um, people, even those who call themselves Christians will say, well, you got to be careful when you talk about grace because people are going to say, oh, well, I can believe and then I can go out and kill people. No, that's that's <laughs> really not what grace is. Um, it's, a, it's a change of heart. Uh, people who would say that they believe in Jesus and then go out and kill someone, I would question if they really had faith, you know, yeah. if they really trusted God, if they yeah. really were changed. I That's not the fruits. You know, the Bible says that we'll know Christians by their fruits. And if people are kind of have Christian um, jargon, they talk Christian, but their actions are anti-Christian, then I would question that and move away from those people. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's a lot of verses that, that talk about that too. I think Romans 6 is a great chapter to read on on how should we continue in sin so that grace may increase? No, um, but we're when we put on Christ, we're changed by him. We live a new life, a new life in Christ, um, so that we can love people and, and show the love of Christ. We're supposed to be the light of the world when we become Christians, and, and so we can show the world to Christ and lead by example. So it's, it's uh, not by works that I'm saved because... I couldn't have turned my own heart around. God did that for me. And I couldn't have uh, satisfied the debt that I owed, that I deserved to be punished. How could I ever do that? Yeah. So, And Jesus did that for me. So therefore, it's not by my work. So why would I, when I started out coming into a relationship with God, purely through my faith and his love for me and the things Jesus did on the cross, why would I then continue, having begun by uh, the Spirit, as it says in the Bible, uh, why would I then try to continue with works? 
and uh, that would be foolish. No, I'm going to walk the rest of my life um, rejoicing in God's love for me, and that will take me to the end and through all eternity. I, I don't ever have to pile up good works, go out and do some good things to prove to myself or others, or especially God, that I'm good enough. I just wasn't good enough, and God loved me. So I'm hoping God keeps making me good <laughs> uh, with his love. Yeah, there's a, there's a big difference between um, doing works to, in order to be saved and doing works because you are saved. So we work because we're saved, and we want to. We want to do good things, but we recognize what that means. They're, they're not to save us. They're because we are saved. That's like the verse I read earlier, we love because he first loved us. It's not we love because we hope that he'll love us. Yeah. I think that that best sums up the gospel. I like that in one, one short sentence. We love because he first loved us. We love God, and we love each other. Yeah. Well, I think that about sums it up. Yeah, short answer, what must I do to be saved? Just pray and start reading your Bible. <laughs> start in the verses, or I'm sorry, the Gospels. So it's the only book where you start in the middle, <laughs> presumably. Um, but yeah. But yeah, and if you have any questions, feel free to contact us. Yep, uh, the, our closer here, Justin, our announcer, will give you the email address, or I can just give it to you now too, <laughs> gospelofgrace at yahoo.com, and just shoot us any comments that you want to give to us. <laughs> Bye. Easy. Thanks for listening to Greater Truths in Mind. Send your questions, commentaries, or corrections to a gospel of grace at yahoo.com.